How's it going, everybody? It's Charles Campbell here, back with another podcast episode. And I just wanted to get on here and kind of update you guys on a little bit of what's been going on in my life since the last time that I recorded. Not really much has changed, but at the time that this episode is posted, which will hopefully be today, Wednesday, I had originally had planned on recording it yesterday, but I got everything recorded and then I got a call from a debt collector, so it deleted, and then I just deleted all the audio which wasn't too bright but you know it is what it is i suppose but <laughs> it's it's definitely uh frustrating when i look back on it. it's like why did i delete the audio you know but i mean it is what it is i guess but no i wanted to i've been like for the uh past few episodes that i've recorded i uh kind of had an idea in the back of my head and then just took it and ran with it basically but this one is probably going to be the most in-depth podcast that I've recorded thus far. And it's also going to be the most relevant to my day-to-day life because distress is something that I battle every single day. And it's, you know, only become more, I guess, prevalent as the months and years have progressed since I've grown older. So I figure if I could kind of give you guys an inside look on what it is like for me and maybe pass along some tips and tricks that have helped me, you know, being hospitalized an exceedingly large amount of times and coming out and trying to navigate the world under the guise of paranoia, distress, anxiety, depression, you know. I've experienced most of it, and I'm sure there's things that I've yet to experience, but when it pertains to the overall spectrum of distress, if you will, I've I've had a lot of experiences, and I, I wouldn't really go as far as to say that I'm recovered from it. I mean, I, I deal with it every day. It just, it gets, it gets hard to navigate a lot of the time. So I'm really trying to engage in coping skills and use the tools I have in my toolbox to figure out a way out of this or just not even necessarily figure out a way out of it. Cause I, in truth, I don't know if there is a way out. So at the very least I can learn to live in conjunction with my distressing circumstances. But you know, a lot of the time, most of my issues are exacerbated to that of a high level. So it's just one of those things where I would pretty much classify it as an unfortunate reality manifested. Like, I'd been dealt this hand, and then I'm not necessarily playing the best hand that I've been dealt because I'm exacerbating my circumstances by harming myself, by lying about how bad it really is, by being too ashamed to talk about it, by not just being a man and accepting that I, I'm no different than anybody else. I have issues, I have distressing circumstances. Like, it's just one of those things that it's just, it's becoming increasingly hard to rationalize with that of myself. And I really, I really struggle with it a lot. I'll be honest. Like I, you know, it's hard, like it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing that I struggle with because it's such a wide spectrum of just distressing issues, like all day, every day, you know, and it's gotten better as the years have progressed since I've been on medicine, since I've been to the hospital. But I mean, it's just like one of those things where one bad day, you know, I say all the time, it's like, I don't, I say, I don't exactly say this, but it's kind of like my way to rationalize with myself. It's like, you know, we're all one bad day away from psychiatric intervention. It's like, when's your day going to come, you know, type of thing. But it's, it's really not healthy to think that way because, you know, your day may never come or if you have to go to the hospital, you go to the hospital. I mean, it's not, it's not anything bad, you know, I certainly wouldn't see anybody differently if they t- told me that they've been in the hospital because I've been there myself, but it's just, it's really, 
it's it's kind of hard to take myself out of my own situation and then explain it to somebody else who doesn't battle the same things that I do. It's like, I feel like, I mean, I overthink everything, but it's like, uh, it's really hard to just explain to people why I worry about lead paint and how it only exists to compromise intellectual abilities or mercury or brain tumors or any other thing that I worry about any given day. But I think overall, like if we're, if we're talking about it, then it's like, my fear is really death. And that's a lot of the time what has caused me the most issues when it pertains to how I just live my life. It's like a fear of death is always there and it's always been there for as long as I can remember. It's like, I don't really think anybody wants to die, but I understand the reality of death sort of, you know, it's like, we're all going to die. You know, some of us sooner than the others. It's like, I say that all the time, but my actions aren't reflecting that I, you know, have a belief in God. It's like, it doesn't matter if I die. Cause I know that at the end of it, I'm going to heaven, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting situation to navigate on a day to day basis. You know, I, I used to get so caught up in the feelings of it and then just circumstantial thinking. It's like, I'll only think and try to fight back, you know, in this regard at this specific time when it's like, I should always just take it day by day because how I feel today and how I even feel 10 minutes from now might not be the same. You know, it's like, it's really, really easy to just get caught up in momentary things and be like, well, I don't, you know, I feel this way now, so I'm going to feel this way. So I'm just going to slip back in all the habits, you know, like at least speaking from my own perspective here, it's like, I'm going to cut myself. I'm going to take pills. I'm going to medicate an exacerbated problem. I'm going to lie about how bad I really feel. I'm not going to use my support system. I'm just going to sit and wallow around in self-pity and feel bad for myself because I have these emphasis on, you know, issues here that affect my life when like I've been to a, pretty much the highest level that you can go when it pertains to psychiatric intervention. And it's like, I don't even have it that bad. Say like my issue is me. It's like, if I can remove me from the equation, I'll be better. But obviously it's like, I'm in my own way and I can't remove myself from the situation. So I better learn to compartmentalize to the highest extent possible. At least like I just live, I've been living a double life for so long. And it's like, it's really hard to just deal with things because it's like there's like two sides of me there's there's like the me that's rational like that wants to get better and then there's the me this is probably the bigger part of me it's like there's a me that doesn't want to get better and just thrives off of the attention and the thrill the nicotine if you will of living a life that's filled with you know regret sorrow guilt you know all these negative connotations it's like there's a part of me that enjoys that I don't know where that came from but it's really, it's really easy to just lie and just that, that's why I think honestly, like I, I was depressed for so long and still kind of am is cause I didn't, I never cared. I just lied. You know, my favorite phrase when I was being hospitalized, even when the contrary proved to be extraordinarily true, like obviously you're not fine. You're being hospitalized three or four times a month. It's like, well, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm back here again for the third time this month, but you know, I'm fine. I, 
I have self-harm scars up and down my arms. I, you know, took and drank bleach, took 45 melatonin, took 30 trazodone, overdosed and was unconscious for three days. It's like, yeah, I'm fine. That, that's the only phrase I knew. And it never really made sense to me. But looking back on it from a reflective standpoint, it's like, what was I thinking? You know, I knew the difference between right and wrong. I knew the difference, you know, a somewhat short amount of time ago when I decided that, you know, scratching myself to the point of almost bleeding was appropriate. But it's like, it's really hard to figure these things out when I, a lot of the time I don't think, you know, impulsivity is my best friend a lot of the time. And I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but for as long as I can remember, I've just been an impulsive person. Like I make impulsive purchases. I'm sure people do at some point. It's like, I see something I want, then I get it. But it's like, there has to be some sort of thought behind it. I have to be rational and decisive with my decision-making and with my thinking. Otherwise I'm just going to fall down the hamster wheel or fall down the rabbit hole of distress again. It's like, that's the only way to characterize it. It's like, it's just a rabbit hole. It's a bottomless pit that you just fall in and then you seemingly just dig yourself deeper. It's like, hand me the shovel. It's like, I'll keep digging, except there is no shovel because I can't dig my way out. And it's just, it's really, it's just so superficial of me to think that progress has been made when I feel the exact same. You know, sure, I no longer medicate an exacerbated problem at a high level like I was once doing. And when I say medicate, I mean destroy myself basically, or I no longer, you know, do other reckless behaviors like head banging or trying to jump out of a moving car, like all that stuff. Like, I, I mean, I still think about it, but I, I don't like long. I mean, I still feel the temptation, but I don't actively partake in that. At least I haven't in a while. I, I mean, a few of those. But it's uh like how like I'll keep reiterating, you know, whenever I talk about these issues, it's like it's just it's a it's an interesting thing to navigate because as a whole and really as a you know, a conceptual thing, like from my own rationalization, it's like I don't really understand feeling a lot of the time. I don't feel a lot of emotion. Like I'm really trying to paint the picture I'm not trying to paint myself as a narcissist or a sociopath. When I, I very well maybe it's just I'm not I'm not really an emotional person. Like I don't I don't feel remorse, I don't feel empathy a lot of the time. Like I for most of the things that I've done, the only reason why I, I talk about them like in a in a way to express that I'm sorry is because I feel like that's just the right thing to do. Like kind of fake it till you make it. But in my mind it's like I shouldn't be faking this. Like if I don't feel bad, I'm just not gonna say anything. Like I don't even think about it. And I don't I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse or both or, you know, what side of the spectrum it falls on, to be honest with you. But it's really, it's really, really hard to just take the time to just reflect on these feelings when, you know, these feelings from a couple of years ago when I was suicidal, emphasis on suicidal, or when I was this, this, or that. It's like, it's really hard to go back in time and reflect and actually try to heal from it because I think... I, I think I know, like, the answer to the question and the feelings that I have. It's like, I feel this way because most of the time it's I exacerbated the problem. Like, a few, like, most of the time that I was hospitalized was either because I was suicidal or because I wasn't taking my medicine. I mean, a few times, like, I overdosed and I had, like, a legit, I mean, you know, legit suicide attempt or whatever. 
But most of the time, it was like, I'm suicidal without, there was no action to follow it. It's like, you say you're suicidal, you're basically guaranteed an interview with a clinician because any right-minded person, if somebody tells you they're suicidal, you want to get them help, right? I mean, that's kind of just human decency at this point. It's like, if I had a, you know, obviously in this situation, it's metaphorical at this hour, but it's like, if my son or daughter walked up to me and was like, dad, you know, I feel like cutting my wrists. It's like, well, we have to get you help because I'm not just going to sit here and walking on you cutting your wrists or god forbid you i go to bed and then you you know cut your wrists open and then you're screaming for help because there's you know and i used to i used to kind of get off on that that throw a little bit it's like i'm gonna cut my wrists and you know it's like i'm gonna bleed out and i'm not gonna make a sound it's like there's no way you can if you bleed out you're gonna feel pain i mean that's just obvious or maybe not i'm not a surgeon or whatever but it's like it's really, really hard to just kind of think about these things, to just reflect on them. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it to people when I've talked to so many different therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, basically any mental health professional out there. And it's like the situation most of the time is that I don't really feel a lot of emotion or remorse. I mean... I'd say the only really remorse that I feel is when I look at my left forearm and see the, you know, the scars on it. It's like, well, why did I do that? It's like, I, I knew what I was doing. I can remember pretty much every time that I cut my wrist. It's like, I, I knew what I, I knew was the difference between right and wrong. I knew that doing that was not appropriate and I still chose to do it. It's like, I didn't care. And I, I mean, there's a part of me that still doesn't. It's like, you know, I look like a, in my mind, you know, it's like, I look like a war fighter. It's like, you know, I have scars on my arm because I've, you know, been in battle or whatever. It's like, no, it's look like an idiot. It's like, I can listen to Battle Scars, but it's a song by Guy Sebastian and Lupe Fiasco, or however you say his name. It's like, it's like these battle scars don't look like they're faded and they ain't ever going to go away. It's like, I guess in my mind, I'm trying, they're like trophies to me in some sort of sick way. And it's never made sense to me because... They're so blatantly obvious self-harm scars. It's like I'm mutilating my arm. And it's like for what purpose? You know, what did I what do I get out of it? Attention? I mean, sure you can get attention from that, but it's like you know, to what end? Because like I said, any right-minded person if you tell them that you just cut your wrist, they're probably going to take you to the nearest hospital or call 911. And then you got to get assessed by a doctor and then if they determine that you need appropriate intervention, they have to file a clinical certificate. It's like, it's a process where, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that my hospitalizations could, you know, what? I, I probably will go as far as to say that because I know for a fact that, like I said earlier, it's like most of my hospitalizations fall under the class classification of exacerbated situations. It's like, I could have not swallowed bleach or took 45 melatonin. I could have not took 30 trazodone because I didn't want to do homework. It's like, in, in my mind, you know, from my own rationalization, at least speaking from the present tense here, it's like, I could have, I could have at least came up with a better excuse. Like I took 30 trazodone because I wanted to die, not because I didn't want to do my senior speech homework or I was nervous about going back to school because I was the kid that's been in the psych hospital. It's like, well, nobody gives a shit. Nobody brought that up. It's like, it, it does not matter. It's like, Nobody really cares. I mean, everybody knew. Obviously, all the teachers knew. But if anything, you know, psychiatric intervention was 
one of the better things that happened to me because I kind of put me in the situation where it kept me safe from harming myself, at least at that time until I got home and tried it again. But it's like, it's just, it's super, it's a super interesting thing to really think about from the present tense because obviously when I was, you know, in the past, you know, I guess referring to the present tense back then, it's like, I wasn't exactly thinking, I wasn't, you know, what are the consequences of my actions? It's like, obviously, you know, if I do this, then I know it leads back to the hospital, which, you know, when it pertains to psychiatric intervention, a lot of the time, if you're doing something destructive, you're probably going to be hospitalized. Like, I'd go as far as to say that maybe, maybe 85, 90% of the time, at least in my experience, I'm no clinician here, I like to preface that, but... It's like if you go to the hospital or the, the local emergency department and present under a, the circumstances of a suicide attempt, like where do you think they're going to send you? They're not going to send you home. Say, like, oh, yeah, we'll discharge this patient so they can go home and try again. No, you're going to the hospital. Like That's just how it works. And I've been in that situation way too many times. You know, I get this, this – I classify it as a manic hope. It's like the great manic hope is what I'm going to call it. It's like – the great manic hope is that I go to the hospital. I so obviously present under suicidal circumstances. It's like, you know, hey, what are you here for? Oh, I drank bleach. I took 45 melatonin. And it's like, did you have an intent to die? It's like, well, yeah. It's like, well, you're not going home. Like, you're going to the psychiatric hospital. It's like, that's just how it works. Like, they, they, they are not going to discharge you so you can go home and just become another st statistic or try it again or burden your parents anymore because – or have them be so scared – that you can't even sleep in your room alone, which is, that's happened to me before. Came home from the hospital, had to sleep on an air mattress in my mom's room because she was scared I was going to take pills. And do I blame her? No, because I probably was going to take pills. But it's really, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think the hardest thing that I've ever have to, that I've ever had to accept when it pertains to distress and all the times that I've been in the hospital and stuff is the fact that I did it because I just, I got off, I got off on it. I got off on the negative attention. You know, I, I can pretty much guarantee that that's the case. You know, it's like, why, why are you here? Well, because I want to be here. It's like, who wants to be in a psychiatric hospital? It's like, you know, whatever, it, whatever it did for me, it gave me some gratification. And I thought that, you know, going to the hospital and, you know, at the time of like a, a week or so before my high school graduation, then missing my high school graduation because I was in the psychiatric hospital. It's like, who gets throw from that? It's like, obviously, there's a, you know, unless I go to a reunion, I'm never going to see those people again. It's like, where, where is the good in that? I'm, I'm, I'd be hard pressed to find any good in that situation. But, you know, some way, somehow, it's like when I went missing for five days and, you know, ran away. It's like, what good exists in that situation? Like, but I, like, I can't paint the picture enough. It's like, I don't think about those things. I just, I get an idea in my head. Like when I went missing, it's like, that was so unbelievably spur of the moment. Like it had no prior thought. Like when I woke up that morning and didn't get out of bed till it was a little bit before work, it's like, I'm going to go missing today. It's like, no, it, it wasn't that. I just, I saw an opportunity and I took it. I don't think it was an escape to get away from my dad either. I mean, I'm sure that was a combination of it, but... You know, I just wish that sometimes I would just think 
about these things. Just think about my actions before I partake in them because a lot of the time, most of my actions have a negative consequence. It's like I keep going back to the whole, you know, I I cut my wrists. It's like, well, if anybody finds out they cut your wrists, they're going to petition you for mental health treatment or you're going to have to talk to them and explain to them. It's like I'm, I've never really been a great conversationalist, let alone like we'll say in the context of a workplace. It's like obviously if I go to work and somebody sees scars on my forearm that weren't there before, you know, my forearms are visible a lot of the time because they wear short sleeves. You know, it's like they're obviously going to start asking questions and it's like, what do you say? You know, yeah, I, uh, I cut myself with a knife. It's like cat scratches. That, that used to be one thing that I would say. It's like somebody asked me, it's like cat scratches. It's like there's no way, there's no way in hell anybody believes that. It's like you have all these very diagonal cat scratches that look like kind of deep and it's like you don't have a cat. It's like, what's your cat's name? Oh, I don't know. You know, Rufus. It's like just making up stupid shit. But, I mean, it's just one of those things that, at least for me and in my battles with mental health, it. I just wish that when I first got hospitalized, you know, back in August of 2020 for that seven-day period, and then, you know, 16 times after that, it's like I really just wish that I would have just understood. And I, I'm still trying to understand this. It's like, it's a day-to-day process. You just got to take it day by day. Like, all you got to do is just take time to focus on the here and now. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. It's like, you know, sure. I mean, I, I'm sure it's natural to worry about tomorrow because you may have a driver's test or you may have this or that. But, you know, when it pertains to distress and mental health, it's like it's it's better to just stay in the here and now so you don't stress yourself out or just create problems that don't exist, which I'm very good at. But, you know, it's like... A lot of the time, it just is what it is. It's like you just you deal with things as they come. Then you, I mean, I'm I'm not probably the one to be passing all probably the best one to be passing along advice. But that's just what I've learned. It's like a lot of the time, it's just a day to day process. That's really all it takes. Like if you wanna if you wanna deal with mental health in a healthy way, just take it day by day. Like that's that's all that you have to do. The the rest of itself will figure it out. Medicine after care appointments or whatever you know it's like all the stuff that you're worried about most of the time well you'll figure it out with time it's like all you gotta do is just take it day by day and it's it's so easy to just think futuristically and psych yourself out like i do with my fear of death but it's uh all that matters is if you take it day by day like there's there's no other piece of crucial advice for mental health recovery i've discovered I mean, at least in my opinion, which I'm entitled to as a free thinking citizen of the United States of America. But it's like, it's just, that's, that's the best advice anybody can give. It's like, just take it day by day. Oh, and of course you got to take your medicine. You have to keep your appointments. You have to actually want to get better and you have to put, which a lot of the time I don't want to get better, but some way, somehow I'm still here. You know, I'm still standing some way, somehow. So there must be something that I did that's right. There must be some, you know, endeavor that I've undertook that's led me to this point where I'm in a reflective state where I can create a podcast where I talk about things like this, you know, sometimes. It's like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to become an advocate. I don't want people to get inspired from hearing my story. I don't even really want people to listen to me. It's like, just, 
you know, just think for yourself. Like, you have an opinion, just what do what you feel is best. But I'm kind of, like, kind of trying to be, like, the person that points people in the directions. Like, don't make the same mistakes I did. That's the only thing that I care about is, like, don't make the same mistakes that I did because they will not, it does not serve you well. You know, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a letter to myself not too long ago and I was like, dear, I started off with, I was like, dear past self, like with regard to present circumstances, it does indeed get better. And it's like, it does indeed get better. Like 2022 was the best year of my life. Like that year from like when I, my last hospitalization happened in February of 2022 and from February to I'll say February, it's like, that was the best year of my life. Could it be because I was on medicine? I'm sure that plays a part in it, but it's like, I just took it day by day. Like that, that's really the best advice that anybody can give you. It's like, just take it day by day. Because feelings are a lot of the time situational and entirely dependent on circumstance. So like I, like I explained earlier, it's like how you feel now is not necessarily how you feel 10 minutes from now or how you're gonna feel, you know? So it makes the most sense just to just Constantly just be aware of your be aware of your emotions, just stay grounded in mindfulness, you know, engage in coping skills, do whatever it is that you have to do, but just don't you know, and it's it's not bad to think about the future. I think about the future all the time. But it's like the healthiest thing that you can do is just staying in the present, just stay locked in on the present, because future, you know, could bring challenges, it could be the great triumph, or it could bring, you know, just downfall but just makes the most sense to just just stay in the here and now you know in a nod to one of my favorite nickelback albums <laughs> but changing the uh changing the course of the conversation here i do i do indeed think that uh, i have a future in archery in some way or shape or form because like earlier this morning i was shooting some pretty tight groups and i understand that i'm not probably basing that off rationality because one tight group session isn't enough to make you a professional archer but i think honestly that with practice coaching and just the right mindset i could probably go somewhere and i'm not just i'm not just saying that you know i'm not just saying that to get my clicks you know oh this kid said he wants to be a professional archer it's like it's it's a healthy goal that I have. It's like, I'm not, you know, I think that if I practice, if I get the right mentor or coach, if I get the right equipment, which plays a part, obviously, and if I just have the right mindset, like, it's okay to just, to be bad sometimes. It's like, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to shoot for the stars, but you do have to put in the work. It's like, none of, none of the greats, at archery like became great overnight i'm sure some of its natural talent but it's like archery is a repetitive sport so it's like if you put in enough work you're eventually going to create these programs in your brain and then you're just going to be acting off like I, I don't even really know how to explain it it's like I, I sound really stupid right now but it's like you create programs in your brain and then you just like it's like second nature it's like okay so when you're in tournaments, like you don't even think about it. It's like that's just how I shoot. But uh I don't know. I mean, I think about that sometimes. It's like you know, I I could have a future in this. Like I I really do enjoy it. You know, I got some 
goals set up in my mind. Obviously, I haven't necessarily put them to paper yet, but it's like, uh, I think they're pretty healthy and I think they're obtainable at some point. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm the one that just has to put in work. It's really all it's going to take is just putting in work. But I don't, I don't know, like, how that opportunity would present itself, though. Like, if I were to go full steam ahead in archery. Like, I mean, I'm sure I would have to leave my job, and I don't really want to do that. You know, that would have to... i just have to wait and see. But at the end of the day, you know, I have to think, you know, about the best the situation that would most benefit me, you know, from a happiness standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a financial standpoint, and I don't know, I just really like archery, like, she shouldn't have to apologize for chasing my dreams, and that's just, most people probably wouldn't apologize for chasing their dreams, so why should I have to, and the thing is, nobody ever told me that I had to, but I'm like, I'm so just stuck in my ways of like, you know, I owe you know, this establishment, this, you know, I owe this company this. It's like, no, it's like, I can do what I want. I can think for myself. It's like, at the end of the day, I have to make the decision that's best for me. You know, maybe that's selfish, but I know at the end of the day, I shouldn't have to care about that because it's like, it's me. It's my life. Like I make my own choices. It's like my life, my choices, my consequences. But, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see, you know? I thought before that I had future in things and I didn't put in the work, you know. I don't know if uh, archery will fade out at some point, but I mean, I really hope it doesn't. But if it does, you know, just find a new hobby, you know. I mean, I do, uh, do want to try bow hunting, though, at some point. Although I'm not necessarily sure that I believe in bow hunting, like killing animals. But at the end of the day, I mean... I mean, I guess we'll see. Like, if I'm at full draw and I see a deer, like, will I take the shot? I just don't... I kind of always thought that I'm not necessarily sure that it's the most justified thing. Like, what did the animal do to you and you're just choosing to kill it? Then field dress it and all that, but... I just... I've kind of always thought it's wrong. Honestly. But, you know, as a free-thinking American... I, I I can have my own opinion and not really care how it affects other people because it's like it's unique to me. Like if I feel that way, sorry. I mean, that's just how I feel. But feelings can kind of, I mean, feelings can kind of be a, what's the word I'm looking for? Simplistic and not really make a lot of a sense, not really make a lot of sense, but at the end of the day, I feel the way I feel because that's just how it is, you know? But, uh, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, with the whole mental health thing, there really isn't a lot more to talk about, you know? I kind of just, that's kind of how, you know, it's all really affected me. I mean, it's like, it's just the realizing that I just need to take it day by day. That's been a, that's made a drastic improvement on my mental health. It's like, it's just, it's a day-to-day process. And also that most people that I know have mental health issues in some way or another. It's like, I'm not the only one. 
Like thinking that I have to battle my issues alone without my support system is one of the most stupidest things I've ever thought. And believe me, I've thought my fair share of dumb thoughts, but it's like, you're not alone. You're never alone. Like there's always somebody that can help you. Like you don't need Green Lantern's willpower or something. It's like, all you gotta do is ask for help. And I understand that that's, that's difficult sometimes or that as, you know, if you're a man, you may feel like you're weak for asking for help. It's like, you know, don't let society or anybody else's opinions dictate what you do. It's like, if you, if you need help, ask for it or go out and get it. Like, it's, it's really not that hard. Like, I used to call it, I used to call it Lone Ranger thinking. It's like, well, I'm a Lone Ranger, so I'm just going to sit here and just take on an entire insurgency by myself. And that's, I've kind of modified the meaning a little bit. Like the whole like army ranger thing. It's like, I'm an army ranger. I'm going to take on an entire insurgency by myself. You know, obviously I'm not an entire, obviously I'm not an army ranger. And that would be kind of ridiculous to take on an entire insurgency by yourself. It's like, you'd have much better odds if you brought people into it and like asked for help. But I, I understand probably better than most that, Fighting it alone is never the best way to go about things. Like, shaming, I feel shame and guilt every single day. But, you know, I know that I have people that care for me. I have a good, great group of coworkers. I have people that genuinely care about my well being. So it's like, when I look at my forearm when I'm around them, or even when I look at my forearm, like now, it's like, you know what? That was just like, that was just a lapse in judgment. Like, I made a decision, and, you know, they're not, it's probably not deep enough to be a scar. It's like, even if it does scar, you know? It's like, who cares? You know, it's it's taken me so long to just come to grips with that. It's like, you know, the unfortunate reality of the situation is that I felt that I was in a, a distressing circumstance. So I thought that wounding God's creation, which is my body, I thought that that was an appropriate reaction to take. But, you know, at the end of the day... It's my choice, and you know, it's like, it's my life, my choices, my consequences. It's like, if I cut myself, then if it leaves a scar, I have to look at that scar every single day, and I have to potentially answer questions about that scar, but most of the time, nobody cares. Like, I've never really, besides, like, my old neighbor, it's like, I've never really had anybody come up to me, and it's like, oh, what is that on your forearm? Unless they were doctors, but at the end of the day, it's like, most of the time, people don't care. And self-harm scars are pretty common a lot of the time. So it's like if it really bothers me that much, I'll I'll wear a long sleeve shirt or I'll cover it up. It's like I like I kind of also <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid, but in a interesting way, it's like I like I like scars because they kind of they're like trophies to me. It's like, oh, it's like it's something I'll never forget. It's like, hey, that uh. That slit right there, it's like, that's when I tried to cut my wrist open and I had to go to the hospital. It's like, that long scratch on my left forearm, it's like, I remember that. It's like, it's kind of just my way of remembering things. And, you know, if that takes away some of the anxiety that gets from it, or if that makes me feel a little bit more confident in my own skin, then, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day... It's all about how you deal with it, like how you feel, because, you know, you matter. So anyway, uh, I think that's going to do it for this podcast episode. Uh, 
trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the next one. But yeah, I will I will see you guys in the next one. And just always remember if you're feeling stressed, I guess, or any other negative connotation, just ask for help. It's pretty simple. See ya.